fact, what we've known for decades is that if you're eating crap food that has no nutrients, you eat more and more of it to try to get more nutrients out of the crap food and you gain weight. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to episode 229 of the Biohacker Babes. My name is Renee and I will be your co-host today along with my sister Lauren. Hello everyone tuning in from New York City today. Hello, hello. And we have a guest coming on for you today. We have Dr. Carolyn Dean, who is going to share tons of information that is super, super important about magnesium. Now, we, I think, just scratched the surface. She has an amazing book. If you want to really dive even deeper, I would definitely recommend checking that out. But I think there's a lot of confusion around magnesium. You know, people hear oh, most humans are deficient. Oh, we should be taking this magnesium supplement or this magnesium supplement. And our soil is depleted. We're all stressed out. A lot of things are happening. So yes, our lifestyle is definitely making most of us deficient in magnesium, which is making this an even more important topic. And while we wish we could get enough from food, it's just not going to happen in today's world. So even though we do recommend eating a an organic, nutrient-dense diet, local as much as possible, even if you're doing all of that perfectly, you're probably still not going to get enough magnesium. So she breaks down a lot of the myths around it and just brings a lot of great education. So get ready for a Magnesium 101 today. Yeah. I, I think it's to, important to note, and this was a big takeaway for me, that it's not always about just replenishing or taking more magnesium, though that is a potent solution. And she's created some really cool formulas. But we need to avoid the things that are creating our deficiencies in the first place, or at least try to resolve to some extent stress being one of the number one things that depletes our magnesium, a lot of our medications are depleting our magnesium. And that's, there's just so much in that arena, we don't have time to go fully into that in the episode. But I think if we can kind of zoom out and get this perspective, that's not about just like pulling more in. It's like, what are we doing that's actually harming uh, absorption of magnesium in our body in the first place? The second big takeaway for me is that some of the recommended doses that are on bottles that we see in the space are actually quite low compared to what you may need. And so she talks about the importance of testing. And we believe in the importance of testing for your bio-individual success. We need to know what's going on in your body. So using the lab test to really see how much can I at least start with as an N of one experimentation, but then check back in and and figure out if that form is working for you, if the dosage is working for you. We want to put this power in your hands. This is something that you truly can have agency over. And so she'll explain kind of what we want to aim for in terms of lab testing. But just lastly, she made a really interesting point about how a lot of the big magnesium companies or, you know, just supplements in general, they're selling you marketing and she does sell formulas. So as biohackers, we can use discernment here, right? Like we do want to do our own research and empower ourselves to look beyond what's being presented to us 
through marketing and, and sales. And I think the way that we do that is continue to read the research thoroughly and then run these N one experiments on ourselves. How do you feel? Test your lab tests. And, and then you know that it's working or not. I think we can't just blindly go into something and go, well, this person said it's going to fix my magnesium deficiency. End of story. We have to continue the journey and the conversation. Yeah. I think one of the big things that blew my mind today was what she was saying about specifically magnesium three and eight. I'm not going to tell you, you have to wait and listen to it in the episode, but like yeah. on top of the marketing, they've done a great job marketing that. So I think okay. this episode is for you. If you're having any of the common kind of symptoms that could be driven by magnesium deficiency, which are really endless. So I will just say this episode is for everyone. We're going to try to get into the symptoms early on to kind of give you something to attach and ground to, but we all need magnesium. And I think most of us need more of it. So here we go. Yeah. Guilty here as well. <laughs> All right. So Dr. Carolyn Dean, she is a medical doctor and a naturopath and best-selling author. She has spent 50 plus years committed to applying the science of medicine and the gifts of nature to help people feel better, find more energy, and take control of their personal health. Dr. Dean follows the 2017 revision of 2004's best-selling book, The Magnesium Miracle, with her newest revision, Magnesium, The Missing Link to Total Health. She was so much fun to talk with. She's uh, She's been in the space a long time, and I would say she's been biohacking for a very long time. Some great stories there, too. So yeah, let's, so uh, she's truly biohacked her environment, living in beautiful Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Her backdrop was amazing. I'm jealous. Yeah. All, right, All right. Let's bring her on. Hey, biohacker friends. Before we dive into this episode, I just wanted to tell you real quick about a really exciting event coming up March 7th and 8th in LA. It's called Biohack Your Beauty. I will be there live. It's going to be an amazing two-day event. They are really combining aesthetics, biohacking, and holistic medicine all under one roof. So uh, I'll put more information in the show notes for today's episode so you can check that out, as well as a couple different discount codes. We have Early Bird. We have Family and Friends. Lots of great options. So go ahead and scroll down and grab your ticket today and hope to see you there. Dr. Carolyn Dean, welcome to the Biohacker Babes. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, girls, and call me Carolyn, please. <laughs> okay, okay. We thank you, Carolyn. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. So this is an exciting episode today. We are going to be breaking down some myths and confusion around the topic of magnesium. And being in the health space, I think we've all heard the quote of that it's a cofactor in more than three hundred enzyme systems. Even when I was back in school, I remember hearing that. But I think it's thrown around, and people are like. Okay, so that sounds like it's important, but what do I really need to know? So we also see that it's a really big problem today that people are deficient. We've heard our food supply is terrible, and then we go to the health food store and there's magnesium supplements everywhere. So to kick us off, why are so many people deficient in magnesium today? Okay, so let me just backtrack a, a bit, Renee, because it's now up to 800 to 1,000 um, biological processes that require magnesium. Wow. Okay. Up Thanks to for thousands. That. So it's huge. And it's super it's important. 80% <laughs> of known metabolic functions require magnesium. And what I realized, I, I did my meds, medicine med school in the mid 70s. And all my biohacking since before then was about me 
trying to get healthy from magnesium deficiency. And I wasn't able to until I started taking saturating levels of magnesium in the, well, the late 90s, actually, the mid 2000s. So I spent all that time trying to treat myself with, for symptoms of magnesium deficiency, which didn't help. And I think that's what maybe is a, a factor in, in why so many young people like yourselves are into biohacking because doctors don't know anything about nutrient deficiencies. We have to find that out for ourselves. We have to, you know, try this and try that. But if you also don't know that magnesium is necessary for 80% of non-metabolic functions, you're not going to do that. Or if, as you say, you know, people are catching on to magnesium, then you're, you're, you're just overwhelmed with all these choices besides the fact that most um, magnesiums on the shelf are laxative. You don't get enough magnesium to treat all your 80% 80 of your problems, let's say, because you get the laxative effect before you get the, the clarity and the saturation. So I think we're all chasing on a certain level, we're chasing magnesium deficiency. That's kind of like three quarters of my whole focus and, and my philosophy of chronic disease. The other quarter, maybe up to a half, is yeast overgrowth. Now, I know we're going to focus on magnesium here, but when, when we started taking antibiotics and eating sugar, 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 birth control pill, in my case, um, cortisol from the stress, we all start getting yeast overgrowth. And we're totally susceptible to it. I mean, I'm kind of here with a bit of brain fog this morning because I got a huge box of chocolates from a friend for Christmas present. And of course, I ate them. And it just <laughs> blew my sugar, you know, up. I woke up with a brain fog and puffy face. No. But what was what's my biohack for that? I did a coffee enema. Yay! So yeah, nice. nice. That is glutathione <laughs> mean, to the rescue. <laughs> exactly. So back to your question: uh, Why are so many people deficient? It's not in the soil. A hundred years ago, you could get five hundred milligrams of magnesium in in an average diet. Now you're lucky to get two hundred, and I think we need at least six hundred for maintenance. I had to take twelve hundred milligrams of magnesium before my heart palpitations got under control. But I had to take a non-laxative magnesium, which is actually my own formula. So that's another stickler that people really don't have access to a non-laxative magnesium. So a lot of levels of problems. Then there's the fact that doctors don't have a proper blood test for finding magnesium deficiency. The blood test is so inaccurate that they do not even test for magnesium on your blood electrolyte panel. So doctors aren't anywhere, you know, you're there palpitating away and the doctor's, oh, you're fine. They'll do a serum magnesium. Oh, it's normal. You know, it's just anxiety. Here, take this, you know, anti-anxiety medication or an antidepressant. So they don't have the test. We don't have it in our food. We process it out and we're... Everybody in the world these days has PTSD. That's what I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see yeah. lots of truth lots to that. Lots of trauma. Yeah. 
Yeah. I have lots of questions, but I think I would love to maybe go through some of those symptoms that are rooted in the magnesium deficiency. Like how do we hook people into feeling, oh, that, that could be me. What are some of the common symptoms that are downstream that then would have people to have symptoms and challenges and maybe chase the biohacking? Yeah, good good point. So head to foot, you, you do get brain fog with magnesium deficiency because you can't clear toxins. You can get eye twitching. You can get kind of choking, you know, you, you can't swallow more than one pill at a time without gagging because your, your esophagus is kind of in a spasm. Anything to do with muscles will, will cause spasms or twitching. And then you can get heartburn because your diaphragms are in spasm. You can get IBS, especially the IBS constipation, but even IBS diarrhea because the, the intestinal muscles go into spasm and block gas and cause pain. You can get insomnia, um, leg cramps. I mean, Charlie horse leg cramps, you know, when you try to stretch um, when you're lying in bed and you get a horrible calf cramp, that's magnesium deficiency, even restless legs. And actually when I'm thinking about cramping, I think of uh, these incredible gymnasts who they're stretching and doing all these things. And you know why they don't suffer from cramps? The chalk that they use on their hands for the, you know, holding the bar and everything, it's a magnesium chalk. So they're constantly absorbing uh -huh. magnesium. I and I mean, any muscle in the body, when you think of the fact that there are 600 muscles in the body, any one of them can be spasming. I've had people that you know, the, almost like a torticollis neck spasm, and they've been told they might have to have surgery to relieve that spasm, and it's magnesium deficient. Heart attack. Heart attacks are the, the heart muscle going into spasm. Blood pressure, the uh, lining of the arteries, they, they're lined with muscles, and that muscle tightens up, and you get high blood pressure. I mean, it goes on and on. The um, enzyme that makes uh, cholesterol, or I should say that that either makes or doesn't make cholesterol is um, guarded by magnesium. And that's the enzyme that statin drugs kill. So if you have enough magnesium to make your cholesterol go into balance, you're good. You um, Doctors, well, researchers, um, magnesium researchers call magnesium and natural statin. Same with blood sugar. If you look at a medical text under you know, triggers, causes of diabetes, one of them is low magnesium, but doctors, because they've been, you know, channeled away from nutrients, you know, down, down the dark road of drugs, they don't even think about giving people magnesium. And then if they do, they give them magnesium oxide. That's a a flat out laxative, it's only 4% absorbed. So not going to help compliancy. <laughs> They're not going to want yeah. to take that again. <laughs> no, never, never. Yeah. yeah. And I've experienced that even taking certain magnesiums and being like, well, I didn't feel anything. So, um, uh -huh. I mean, that's the other end of the spectrum. It's like, oh, I experienced that where I didn't feel anything. So, yeah. a lot of people are probably listening saying, oh, yeah, I have that. I get the muscle cramps, I get the restless leg, I get the brain fog. <laughs> Do you think that is enough to say, hey, we need to start saturating our body with more magnesium or should we be testing? I think it's enough because what what the laxative effect is, it's, you know, it's 
quote, a side effect, but it's also the fail-safe. If you're, quote, taking uh, too much magnesium, you'll get the laxative effect. So it can never build up. It can never be uh, uh, whatever, toxic, and you can never take too much. But, you know, the unfortunate part is that most magnesiums are laxative, so you never get enough. You know, you'll take a little bit, like you say, you may not feel anything. And then you'll take some more and, oh, okay, I feel a little bit better. And then if you take a, another dose and you get the laxative effect, you say, well, that's that. You know, I'm not going to be running around town with the laxative effect urging me on. So it's a difficult thing about testing. Like I said, the serum magnesium test is, is you know, a real failure. People are using the red blood cell magnesium test to check their levels. And what I say is you can check your symptoms, you know, look for a list of um, magnesium deficiency symptoms. I've got a couple of magnesium books out. A new one, actually, Magnesium, the Missing Link to Total Health will be out in a week or so. So I'll list the symptoms and you say, oh, okay, yeah, check, check, check. And then you take your RBC red blood cell magnesium test and see where you're at. I think the range is like 4.2 to 6.8. You want to be up in the high sixes. You don't want to be 4.2. If your doctor says, oh, you're 4.2, you're fine. You're not. Because what you are is down with the other 80% of the population who's deficient in magnesium and having symptoms. Because um, laboratories, they will take the average of the laboratory population and just do a bell curve. It's got nothing to do with normal or optimum or even natural. It's just the range of the sick population. Mm-hmm. And in in the past number of years, the, the level of uh, magnesium deficiency has, on the lab test has changed because more and more people are so deficient. So it, it's so there's that. But there's mm-hmm. also um, an ionized magnesium test that um, I've been doing uh, university research studies with our uh, magnesium formula, which is a, a picometer size stable, stabilized ion of magnesium that's fully absorbed at the cellular level. So, you know, the this university study wanted to say, really, how is that possible? So they're, they're studying it and comparing it, uh, that formula with other magnesium formulas and finding out high absorption with an ionized magnesium test, an IMAG test. Now, right now, that's only available in um, university settings and ICUs. But with our studies and a number of other experts and researchers who are saying, we've got to get better at this magnesium testing, I think it's going to be more available. And actually, one of our, our, uh, a two-year follow-up on the blood we took from our human uh, uh, clinical trial, we found that you could store ma- um, blood for two years and still be able to run an ionized magnesium test after two years that had the equivalent reading of two years prior. So that means people can go to a lab, take their blood, freeze it, and send it off to a, an IMAG testing. So that's in the future, but don't hold your breath. And that's why in all my writing and speaking, 
I tell people it's so safe, start slowly, start low and slow, build up with our liquid magnesium, for example, you just put it in, in water to which I add sea salt. I think the sea salt with 72 minerals can really be beneficial in, in ways that we haven't even studied yet. So people will just, you know, take their their mineral water with their sea salt and their and just sip it through the day as they would any any amount of water. Water guidelines, water is very important when you're taking extra minerals because it's the, the water inside the cells that that kind of drives the drives the metabolism. So I'll take body weight in pounds, divide that in half, and drink that many ounces of water a day. And in each liter of that drinking water, put a quarter teaspoon of a good sea salt. And a good sea salt means it ha- still has some coloration to it. If it's a refined sea salt, it'll be white. And if it's you know pink or brownish or copper colored, it means it still has its minerals. Great. Very helpful. (laughs) Can you talk to us about the different forms? Because there's so many different delivery formats. And you talked about oxide, which is typically a a laxative, but I'm hearing Mm -hmm. more and more clients coming to me, should I do threonate or glycinate or the chloride? Mm -hmm. Can we settle some confusion around here? (laughs) Yeah, sure, Lauren. That's really important because, yeah, you know, you have so many. And and then you'll have the promoters of the different brands talking about how cool theirs is. Mine is the best. Yeah. 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 So, you well, the oxide, it got uh, promoted because some smart woman who owned a magnesium oxide company, she gave the magnesium researchers uh, free samples back in the day. So all they did was study magnesium oxide. And Mm. even then, with only 4% absorption, everything benefited. You know, brain to, to the to your cramping toes. It's amazing how important magnesium is when when even something so poorly absorbed can be helpful. Three and eight bugs me very much because um, they did a rat rat study with the magnesium three and eight and said it's the only magnesium that gets across the blood-brain barrier. It's not true. Magnesium oxide does as well. But somehow they created this big media thing. Uh, it's a patented magnesium. On the bottles, they, it often says 2,000 milligrams magnesium, three and eight. And you think, wow, I'm getting 2,000 milligrams of magnesium, but you're not. You turn the label around and it says in every two capsules, you get 144 milligrams of elemental magnesium. So for me, you know, I needed to to take 1200 milligrams to get rid of my heart palpitations. I would have had to take 20 of those and I would have, I would live, well, I would have died on the toilet with, you know, <laughs> the laxative effect. Mm-hmm. So the, what they're saying there is, um, um, yeah, they're, they're, you know, it's false advertising for one thing. But see, the other thing is three and eight has brain effects. It can help your mood and anxiety and depression. So they're actually, you know, making it seem like the the symptoms that are relieved by magnesium L3 innate are due to the magnesium, whereas a lot of them can be due to the 3 innate. 
And because you have so little magnesium, you are not solving your magnesium deficiency symptoms. You're just doing what the three nades doing. So it's it's really quite quite false. And it's the same with all the other combination compounds because what happens with a magnesium compound is that it's bound up, you know, let's take magnesium chloride, which is the base of my formula. So you have magnesium and you have the chloride. And, you know, it's in the bloodstream, you know, do, 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 going around. And because it's in a fluid, it will disassociate. It'll disassociate for fractions of a second and then, you know, join right back up to either the chloride or something else because magnesium so, is so hyperreactive. So in that brief flash of time, it can be absorbed into the cell. Boom. So that's all there, you know, that's what happens to the compounds. I mean, when you get a stabilized ion that, that I've worked on, then you have a chance to get the absorption of all the magnesium ions in the formula. So all of these various compounds, just like I said about the threonate, it's mostly threonate in a magnesium threonate. In the glycinate, it's mostly a glycinate, which they say, oh, well, glycine's good for you too. And it's like, yeah, glycine is good, but you're looking to saturate 80% of your metabolic functions with magnesium, and you're not going to get it with, with um, a compound. So does that make sense, Lauren? Yeah. And I've had several clients that don't tolerate glycine in any form, but you know, you yeah. Google which magnesium is best and it's magnesium glycinate. So people take it and I've, I've seen not great results. And also with the three and eight, there's a very popular podcaster that I think we all know that's always pushing the three and eight. Got a lot mm -hmm. of clients that are buying into it and no oh. change, no change. And, yeah. Buying into it is exactly um, the right terminology because when it first came out, it was a certain price and then they totally made it. I think they patented it beforehand, but then they tripled the price of it. They actually mm -hmm. tripled the price. So, and, and you have to figure there's, there is a placebo effect to any of these things anyway. So yeah. in the beginning of taking something like, wow, I've read all this awesome stuff. You know, they're buying the, the PR. You are purchasing the words and then putting it into your placebo mind and thinking this is going to help. Sure. So after about three months, you know, when, when symptoms start coming back, then people go, oh, now what do I do? And they're, you know, they're turned off taking more magnesium because of the laxative effect. And then they go on to, oh, let's try ashwagandha. Let's do this. Let's do that. And you get this whole list. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I, I come across articles that will say, oh, the top eight nutrients for the brain or for this or for that. They don't even include magnesium anymore. There's, there, it's kind of looking for the next uh, the next uh, best thing or the next sexy popular thing. kid on the block. Po we can popular market. kid on the block. And yeah. it, you know, it is driven by um, people who, you know, have symptoms and they're, they want to get better. And, and the whole biohacking world is based on, well, let's see how much of this I can take. And if it makes me feel better. Well, when you take a high amount of, I think anything except mag a good magnesium, 
you're going to throw so many other things off. I mean, in my world, I heard so much about the high-dose iodine. And then in my clients and then customers, I would find people who said, I just burned out my whole iodine picture because I took so much. I'm now allergic to iodine. I can't take any. So you get that problem. And actually, just a sidebar on the whole iodine thing, people think it's good for their thyroid. The 50 milligrams of uh, iodine came out because of uh, uh, cancer treatment, breast cancer, etc. And then and then people without those symptoms began taking it. Iodine is necessary for the thyroid. Yes, it is It is the mineral that's in the, the thyroid hormone molecule, the T3s and T4s. The T3 means three iodine molecules, T4 means four. But in order to make thyroid hormone, you need nine minerals. You might have heard selenium is important. Yeah. But then there's boron and molybdenum and zinc and copper, magnesium, of course. So we've really um, gotten so far away from the natural way of, of treating our body with the right cofactors that even in alternative medicine, they wait until the thyroid crashes, you get hypothyroidism, and you do replacement therapy, synthetic replacement uh, in allopathic medicine. And then natural, quote, natural replacement with uh, alternative medicine, but it's still replacement instead of giving the building blocks. Or getting curious about why it's been pushed out of range in the first place. Right? Magnesium or just nutrients in general. Yeah. Well, actually, I just did a critique. I, I wrote a blog, but my, um, my COO, uh, Ginny, she she said it's just so it's too uh, too much because it's this doctor saying, um, well, you know, vitamins and minerals they don't help cardiovascular disease or or cancer. You know, why do we even bother? Why do we have to put up with these questions from our our patients? I guess we have to, you know, just hang in there and tell them what's real. I mean, there it is such blatant patronizing insanity that you can't imagine, you know, in this day and age that doctors don't even know that vitamins and minerals are necessary for the body. And they just, it, it astounds me, but that's the brainwashing, the funding for research now, um, university research is, is all focused on drugs because it's uh, big pharma pays for it. And nobody's doing supplement research. I mean, my company is able to do a little research, but most most uh, supplement companies don't bother. When I went into med school in the mid-70s, I went in already having read Adele Davis and Prevention Magazine, and I was so keen. And, you know, I kind of toned myself down to bed uh, necessarily. I mean, I was blackballed because I was making my own yogurt in med school until the the dean of studies came in and said, uh, hey, Carolyn, can I have your yogurt recipe? <laughs> so people people backed off and I was doing acupuncture in a second year elective. I mean, I had I had a good time in um, in med school because I had this detachment that I knew that nutrition and lifestyle and, you know, eat making your own bread and own yogurt, et cetera, was, 
was important. And mm-hmm. I sincerely believe that within 10 years, all doctors would be doing lifestyle medicine. And after, uh, well, during my internship, actually, I did uh, post-grad naturopathic training. And uh, again, I thought it won't be long. It was terrible. You know, the way we just went down the dark side of of drugs. And mm-hmm. you will hear these doctors say or or read where they will accept all these side effects because they get a like a, in weight loss drugs now huge 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 you get um an 8 to 13% drop in weight and they say this is a great drug and then after a few months well you know 75% of the people dropped out of the study because of the side effects of nausea vomiting and diarrhea and it didn't occur to them in, in month one, well, too many people are getting sick. Month two, well, month three, okay, we better pull the study. And, and it might have even been longer. I think the study was 32 weeks. And somehow they accepted. When I was in med school in the mid-70s, doctors would say, use medication for the shortest time possible while your patient is healing and you know metabolizing their own resources drugs shortest time possible now what do we have lifelong drugs blood pressure mm-hmm. here's your three drugs and mm-hmm. what happens with blood pressure you know which is usually white coat syndrome to start with they're put on the blood pressure drug they come back blood pressure is worse because their dire the diuretic drug they've been given gets rid of more potassium and magnesium And they're put on two more drugs, calcium channel blocker. Magnesium is a natural calcium channel blocker. So then they come back on these three drugs and, oh, my gosh, look, your cholesterol is high and your blood sugar is high. We caught these just in time. They say, good thing we caught them. We can put you on a statin now and a diabetic drug and you'll be good. And then they'll give a blister pack, you know, that that you just take one of each of your five or six drugs every day. It's horrifying because it's, it's totally, you know, follow the money. Mm. Yeah. So sad. So sad. Yeah. I mean, you were way ahead of your time in medical school that you were already thinking about nutrition. And I didn't realize you were aware of nutrition so much before you went to school. I was going to ask you if you like discovered that in medical school, but you were already so passionate about it. Yeah, Lauren, I'm one of the few doctors who did not get out and practice and kill a few people before they realized that they better do something to help their patients or the doctors who get sick themselves weren't helped by drugs and whatever and and began doing natural. I was so blessed that, you know, I, I opened my practice as a, well, a medical doctor because up in Canada, you know, people had free medical care, so they got taken care of. But I practiced as a naturopath, because that's, you know, where my heart was first, do no harm, you know, look at the, the the root causes and, and give people things that don't cause side effects. I mean, it's, it's only common sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense to me. Yeah. You also mentioned calcium. I'm just curious if you can speak to that a little bit because I'm still seeing, especially women as they're getting older, their doctors are saying, take more calcium. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, well, yeah, calcium. So let's talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, Renee, the calcium has lost its flavor. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Much. I've written, <laughs> I've written uh, articles. What was one of the titles? Why I hate calcium. Oh, <laughs> now, yes. the thing is, calcium is very important, but we can mostly get it in our food. When doctors started looking at women breaking their bones and the osteoporosis, they leapt to the conclusion that, oh, you need more calcium, where there's, you know, over a dozen uh, things that make up our bones, including magnesium, including vitamin C that makes the collagen, the soft matrix of the bone that makes it a little more flexible. If it was just a calcium bone, that would be like a calcium carbonate, you drop it and it shatters. So that's what was happening to women who were taking their, what, 1500 milligrams of magnesium a day, they were starting to get more fractures and they were getting more heart disease because calcium is very poorly absorbed. You need vitamin D to help absorb uh, calcium and you need magnesium, both of which are very deficient. So people were, women especially, were getting all this extra calcium. And what was it doing? It was precipitating in soft tissues. So from head to foot, you know, you're getting, you know, all kinds of weird dental problems, fluorosis, different things, because calcium is depositing willy nilly. You're getting breast uh, DCIS, the, the, the breast tissue calcification that uh, doctors call a pre-pre-cancer, which just freaks everybody out. They, they sort of pretend it's a cancer, but it's a calcification because I guess calcification can be a factor of later stage cancer. But anyway, so that was horrible. And gallstones, kidney stones, heel spurs, and atherosclerosis as calcium is depositing in the blood vessels. Uh, studies out of New Zealand, uh, there was a half a dozen by a Dr. Boland, B-O-L-L-A-N-D. And he found that uh, women who just simply take calcium supplements are at a higher risk of heart disease. So mm -hmm. that started the conversation about how we really had to be careful about calcium. But doctors haven't got the message really because they don't have anything else. What I say is you probably need 600 milligrams of calcium. That's what they do in the UK and the uh, World Health Organization. That's our recommendation, 500 to 700 milligrams. And then you need about 600 milligrams of magnesium. So I do like a one-to-one. -one. And most people, if they're eating some dairy, nuts and seeds, grains and, and greens and sardines with bones, they can get 600 milligrams of calcium. You can look this up on, on calcium food lists. And then you can, you can live without a calcium supplement. But I know myself, I when I started my super magnesium saturation, I didn't take calcium supplements for a couple of years. And then I started to get knee pain. And my knee pain re re reminded me of my biohacking of um, doing IV chelation. I'd set up my own IV, you know, I put on the tourniquet, I, you know, jam in the, oh, it's so much fun. But after, <laughs> after about three chelations, my knees ache. And I said, oh my gosh, this stuff is stripping my minerals. 
and I'm not putting them back. And how do I know what I'm stripping? So um, when I get sort of knee things, I say, oh my gosh, I'm not taking enough calcium. And I did make a a picometer um, calcium so that I could take one or two teaspoons, which is 300 to 600 milligrams when I needed it. And seriously, you know, the knee pain goes. So, you know, what happens, you know, with people, I'm in my, do I say seventh, seventh decade? I'm in my seventies and I actually feel healthier than I did in my thirties because I've overcome my magnesium deficiency and, and, all the things that go along with it. And I'm constantly um, experimenting like I did last night, experimenting with uh, chocolate. <laughs> they, it was fruit chocolate though. It, it was very healthy, <laughs> but right. man, it, just, it slammed me. <laughs> oh man. We I've do it too. That. Always yeah. experimenting. Yeah. So yeah. I guess in terms of experimentation, in addition to supplementation, what else can we kind of try in terms of food? I mean, you did mention that the soil is more depleted, but we can still get calcium and these other minerals from food. So what are maybe some common foods that people are overlooking that we could at least try to integrate a little bit more? Right. I think the best way to approach diet and food these days is to make sure people are avoiding processed food. Mm-hmm. The ultra processed food now is killing people. The only sort of decent nutrition study I've seen recently, it was was back in 2019, the Dr. Kevin Hall, he studied ultra processed food and compared it to, you know, an ordinary SAD diet, you know, standard American diet. And he found uh, the people in a confined setting, he, he booked them into a clinic uh, they would, the ultra processed food diet people, they would eat an extra 500 calories a day compared to the other diet. And then it was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? I have no idea. And seriously, common sense, what we've known for decades is that if you're eating crap food that has no nutrients, you eat more and more of it to try to get more nutrients out of the crap food and you gain weight. So that's as far as they've gotten with studying um, nutrition. So anyway, you have to avoid all that. You really have to focus on organic as much as possible because the GMO foods and and the non-organic foods, they are sprayed so badly that people are building up a lot of toxicity. One of the first things I did when I moved to Maui 14 years ago now was hook up with a biodynamic organic farmer. And I've been supporting him and funding him for the past 14 years. And even though he's, it's awesome what he does and he amends the soil, I can't live on a strict vegetarian diet. My heart palpitations come back when I do that experiment. So food-wise, stay away from the dead food, try to eat live food. And then with the live food, Fruits and vegetables, yes, but you do have to watch out about the fruit. You can actually increase your triglycerides if you eat a lot of fruit because it's fructose. It puts extra strain on the liver to metabolize fructose. Then it does even our glucose blood sugar. So, and especially with the yeast overgrowth population, you really should only be eating about two fruit a day. 
And, you know, because of my history with yeast overgrowth, man, you know, in, in med school, I got these crazy um, staphylococcal nasal boils on top of my yeast. And what I realized when I did um, an AIDS and chronic fatigue study in New York back in the early 90s, that when you have yeast, you, you um, create the environment in your body for all the other infections. And 100% of people with AIDS had yeast overgrowth. And then when we did all the vi uh, viral and bacterial markers, they had everything. So yeast sets up your immune system to catch all these other things. So that's why I say, you know, yeast is the, the other part of my magnesium deficiency yeast overgrowth theory of chronic disease. So with, um, with knowing all that and, and I mean, seriously, for 10 years, I didn't eat any sugar. I would smell desserts and say, oh, I remember, I remember that. And I didn't, I sugar, wheat, and dairy. Back then, it was just avoiding wheat. Now we avoid gluten as well. And it was just, it was hard, you know, rotating uh, anti-fungal herbs and the whole nine yards. But then I started working with Saccharomyces boulardii, which is very gentle antifungal and fulvic humic, which is a good uh, soil-based probiotic um, ground substance and um, inulin, which is a, like a prebiotic. So I work with that and a silver, a picometer silver. Those two things together with kind of a modified yeast diet has been awesome because we can't be so strict especially in our PTSD world where, you know, I say we've all got PTSD. We're all stressed. We're all kind of, you know, vibe vibrating with too much concern. We're, we're in a fight or flight and that produces cortisol. It keeps our, our yeast, you know, ramping up. I mean, it's so, I said, you know, people really do have to do almost a daily uh, anti-yeast routine. So mm -hmm. where were we? Yeah, where were we? I, I think yeah, our modern day world is very yeast promoting. And I'm glad that you brought that up about the connection with immune dysregulation or immune deficiency. I think a lot of people still think, oh, too much sugar is just going to make me gain weight or it's just going to make my child run around like a crazy person for hours. But it's oh, disrupting right, right. the gut and the immune system. It's really, oh, really right. powerful. Yeah. Yes, exactly, Lauren, because the, the whole gut thing, what has that turned into? Oh, the microbiome. Oh, it's SIBO, you know, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Oh, we have to take a lot of probiotics. Oh, what do we do? What do we do? Yeah. Oh, let's kill use... the pathogens, kill the parasites. <laughs> yeah. And if it's SIBO, they just use more antibiotics. And then allopathic, we go to fecal implants. So We've forgotten yeast in that whole bucket of, of the microbiome. And the focus has been on lactobacillus and bifidus, where we really need soil-based probiotics, which are the real, you know, mm -hmm. hard, you know, hard workers in the intestines. And and when you have yeast overgrowth, the um, the budding yeast from the large intestine, you know, makes its way up into the small intestine pokes holes, creates that leaky gut, and then yeast toxins, and there are 78 of them, 
they migrate, you know, they get absorbed into the bloodstream and, and cause the, you know, the foggy brain and, and the toxins come out in the skin as skin rashes. You've got the coated tongue, itchy ears, itchy eyes. So we all are subject to this yeast. I mean, look, look what's going to happen over the holidays. Everybody's just going to, you know, get stressed out and, yeah. you know, alcohol and sugar and all the rest of it. And that's why we have the big diet dieting push in January because of all that buildup. But yeah, like you say, detox. (laughs) Yeah. And like you say, Lauren, you know, people just focus on, oh, it's weight gain or, and if they're even, you know, with common sense are reminded about the, the sugar highs that kids get. I mean, that's incredible what happens Mm -hmm. to kids when they eat sugar. But anyway, how are we doing? How are we doing? Yeah, that's <laughs> well, we're glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah, we are nearing our the end of our time, but I wanted to circle back to magnesium specifically because you have some pretty awesome formulas. But I, I just wanted to uh, close the loop on testing and kind of knowing how much is right for us. And uh, I think the way in is a personal story. I was testing my magnesium RBC with a lot of different magnesium products taking the recommended dosage, which actually was way too low. So I'm so glad that you mentioned how much you were taking almost permission to kind of experiment. And then do you just Mm -hmm. check back in on the lab test to make sure that you're hitting that upper threshold? You said around six. Right. I mean, you can check back. And of course, you're, you know, it's important for, for you all to do the blood test because you're, you know, you're uh, giving information out to your people and you're doing it very very logically and properly. But for most people, you know, one or two tests, just to make sure that when you take extra, it goes up. Seriously, when I did um, when I did my uh, some testing and found my vitamin D was 19, and it should wow. be 60. And I live here in Maui, and, and I, I wasn't getting sun, but I did not feel vitamin D deficiency symptoms, whatever they are, because they're kind of ephemeral. Um, mm-hmm. My magnesium was was in the high sixes. My vitamin D was 19. I started taking 10,000 units of vitamin D. I hadn't been, I might've been taking like 2000 units. After four months, my vitamin D was up to 58. And my magnesium came down from mid sixes to 4.8. And I realized uh, what we know about vitamin D is it activates, it's activated by magnesium. So as my vitamin D went up, uh, using up my extra magnesium to activate it, my magnesium went down. So that was my experiment. It's like, oh my gosh, that, you know, there's the proof. I take high dose of vitamin D and my magnesium goes down because it's being utilized. It was, it was pretty awesome. So that's what's going to happen with, with your blood test, you know, so take a few, take your baseline, take the, especially my picometer magnesium, then it'll be really well absorbed, you know, do your repeat testing in three, four months, and then you'll say, okay, I've got good absorption and then just stick with it. But then you look at your symptoms. Have you gotten rid of your symptoms? I mean, one thing that we um, found with, um, people who were just taking the the magnesium for about three months, they would start getting yeast die-off symptoms. 
Mm. And they didn't know, well, you know, gosh, you know, I was feeling too good and now I'm kind of foggy and I've got gut problems and uh, I've got this rash, what's going on? And we said, you know, great, you're doing yeah. a ye- yeasty togs, good, <laughs> yeah. job. good job. I know, isn't it funny when we say that to people? So, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's where they need to go a little more into taking um, the yeast protocol, yeast treatment protocol. So it's really cool how. The, the body will tell you, we really have to get people listening to their bodies because doctors, I mean, for too long, they just, oh, you're okay, pat on the head, you know, take this pill and, you know, see in a month. It's crazy. It's really mm-hmm. terrible when we know there are so many things that can help people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you for all that you're doing above and beyond the annual <laughs> lab. You're fine. See you next year. So thank you for all that you're <laughs> yeah. doing. and. Sharing your wisdom about magnesium. I, something you just said, I'm curious. My vitamin D has been very high lately. I actually stopped supplementing. I need to go uh-huh. check my RBC magnesium because I'm curious if there's something uh-huh. there. So uh-huh. I'm going to experiment. Yep. We'll see. Yeah. That's what we do. We It's a constant experiment. And N yes. equals one. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. That yes. is right. That is Love right. that. Love that. Yeah. Well, yeah. thanks, Carolyn. Um. We would love to ask you just one final question, uh, one final piece of advice for our audience, something they could start doing today to optimize their health. What would that be? Maybe just drinking water. You know, I've already said it, uh, you know, half your body weight in ounces of water and get a good like a Himalayan or a Celtic sea salt, quarter teaspoon, but just start with a pinch. And you'll find after a short time, it's like water so bland without the minerals because that's what... Uh, that's where we're supposed to get our minerals from is our water and our food. And we're not getting it from either. So take water and um, I don't know, think good thoughts. I mean, appreciate. I walk the beach uh, most days and, and I collect smiles, you know, I'll smile at someone and or whatever. And they, they smile back. People can't help themselves. So go around collecting smiles and be, be in appreciation and drink your water. We love it. Beautiful. Thank you. So Beautiful. actionable and accessible. Anyone can do it now. Anyone. Yeah. Anyone yeah. can do yes. it. Yes. yes. Well, well thank, thank you very much. This has been fun. I appreciate you ladies. We appreciate you. Can you share with our audience quickly where they can find more of you? Okay. All my information, it's separate from my store website because the FDA, you know, has a gun to my head. So my educational website is drcarolyndean.com and my store website is rnareset.com. Perfect. Okay. And that will be in the show notes as well. Make it easy to click. Thank you so much okay. for spending your time with us today. This is wonderful. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Aloha and mahalo. Mahalo. Yes. And thanks to everyone that tuned in today. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. 
This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.